Hi friends, welcome back to today's Bible Project Daily Podcast. Now we're in Genesis chapter 36 today. We're starting off a whole new section. It's going to take, I would estimate, certainly three studies. Uh, and the question I would just like us to consider before we look at it is, I wonder, have you ever thought, when thinking about people, have you ever thought, I wonder where they all lie? Where they are now. I think we've all done it in respect of classmates in school. Maybe we've done it in respect of someone famous that we've known of, of, in the past. I thought, I wonder what, where they are now. I wonder what they look like. That, that well, that in a sense is what's going on here in this Genesis chapter 36. But it's been done in a way that's maybe slightly different than the way we would approach it. Now, I'd like to remind you if you're here for the first time that uh, I always make a transcript of approximately what I've said. It's auto-generated, but I make the transcript available uh, as a free resource without copyright for anybody to take and use in whatever way they want. But you'll find that transcript in the, uh, the episode notes of the LNE audio version of the podcast. doesn't matter which platform you're using to receive it on, on whether it be Apple or Spotify or any of these There'll be an, it should be an episode note page, and within that you'll find a transcript of what I've said, along with actually some links and ways you can connect to the ministry, receive more resources, and even support it if you want. But today, as I said, we're going into Genesis chapter 36. Now, I think this is interesting when we approach one of these uh, chapters, which in a sense is just a long list of names. Because uh, if you were to choose just to preach here, there, or to study here, there, you would never really choose to go and look at these chapters. But we've found several times so far as we've gone through the book of Genesis, when we've set up camp a bit on one of these genealogy chapters, like chapter 10, we've found something really interesting and insightful in it. And I think that's going to be the case today. So anyway, with that in mind, I will just drop in now to the main text and I'll see you back at the, at the end uh, just to say bye bye. Hi friends, welcome back. Today we're launching off on the first of three studies looking at this chapter of Genesis chapter 36 and I've called it Where Are They Now? Now I've named it that because I'm sure all of us at one point in time, one or another points in time, have reached a point where we've sort of thought, where are our school friends today? You know, we've maybe even thought it about a pop star or a famous celebrity. We've wondered, I wonder what they look like, I wonder what they're doing now. You've probably thought about people you've worked with in the past, or maybe you cast your mind back to primary school, secondary school, or even college, and wonder, whatever happened to so-and-so? Have you ever done that? Have you lost touch with people over the years and wonder what happened to them? Well, I've done that many, many times. Well, what I'd like to say is today, in the book of Genesis, something similar is going on. As you know, we've been going together through the book of Genesis, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and there's an interesting example of that sort of phenomenon here. Something similar to what I've talked about in this introduction, but the only slight difference here is it's not asking that question about an individual, but it's asking about a family, a family line. At any rate, that's 
what I think is happening here, and I think we need to keep it in mind as we approach this chapter. So Genesis chapter 36, verse 1, the opening verse says this, This is the account of the family line of Esau, that is Eden. Okay, I want to pause right here, right at the start, because I want to talk about this verse in light of the whole book of Genesis. Now, if you're interested in this book as a whole, then you have to see this as a very important verse. Because as you've probably noticed, well, as a matter of fact, this phrase, this is the family line of, sometimes it's translated as this is the generation of, or even this is the history of. It depends which translation of the Bible you're using. But this phrase appears 11 times in the book of Genesis. And if you've been following me as we together have worked along so far through the book of Genesis, you will have actually heard me pause and reflect on this phrase 11 times now. Well, sorry, we're about eight times into what will be 11 times. It's a key to understanding the structure of the book. This is the way in which many people divide this book into a series of histories. However, bearing that in mind, this phrase can create a bit of a problem. So I think it's important that we just take a minute and think about what this phrase means when we see it. In the Bible overall, sometimes when you see this phrase, it refers to what's gone before. But in the book of Genesis, that's not the case. Uh, what it usually does, it's referring to what comes after, not what comes before. The traditional view is that when you see this phrase in the book of Genesis, it means that this is a point in time that's marking what's going to come as a narrative out of that situation, out of that personal history. So when it says here, this is the generation of Esau, you will notice it's not talking about Esau himself anymore. It's already done that. It's now talking about him and his descendants, including his children and his grandchildren. Its use of generations and successive generations is a word that helps explain that this is going to be now the historical narrative from this point forward. The phrase is used to delineate the history that the results from the beginning point described and initiated at the point of the naming of a biblical character. So this verse is the beginning point of the family history of Esau. Now we're going to then, of course, trace his descendants through the, the, the verses that come. And it's saying this is the family line of Esau, which is, reminds us is Edom. So when it says that, it's saying this is the starting point and the rest of this, of this narrative until we need, reach the, the next of these generational phrases is going to be the history of his descendants. One early scholar I read said this, and I quote, this is what became of, or this is where we get from this start forward. So this is in the sense a family history, which will become a way of showing us a family line. So that's why I started this message by asking the question, where are they now? What happened to? Because that's sort of what's going on here in Genesis chapter 36, verse one. It's like saying, We've talked about Esau, but whatever happened to him after the case, now he's disappearing out of the narrative. And it's not going to talk about him as an individual, but from this point forward, it's just going to give us some information about his family. So that's one of the reasons that I'm camping on this little phrase for a minute, because it's important. And Bible experts believe that these phrases 
as they appear in the book of Genesis indicate a written source that Moses used to write these sections. In other words, these 11 occurrences of this phrase, as they appear and are written elsewhere, they are pointing to something that Moses was using as a source, a source to plunge this salvation history of the nation of Israel. Now I'm sure some of you are going to say at this point, well wait a minute, I thought the Bible was the word of God. How could Moses be using a source? Well it's very clear that sources are used in some of his writing. The Bible is very clear about that. It's quite open about that. As a matter of fact, even the rabbis of Jesus' day made a distinction between what they called revelation and inspiration. Now, revelation was a revealing of something that no one know or that individual didn't know to that person supernaturally by the Spirit of God. Inspiration was the quickening, the prompting, the inspiring of someone to write something down. And the Bible is full of inspiration. Take the epistles of Paul, for example. That was nearly all inspiration because the Holy Spirit directed Paul to write down what he knew and what he was teaching. And that part of it is inspiration. Now, sometimes the source of the inspiration can be revelation. So, for example, we can have a direct revelation like something like God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses, but then the inspiration would be the application and the unpacking of what that means, both later in the Old Testament and in the New. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's what Orthodox Christians believe. And it's inspired in the sense that the Holy Spirit instructed people to write stuff down. Now that means that if the theory of the sources for some of Moses' materials is correct, and I believe it, it is, then that means that on occasion Moses was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down things that he already knew or that he had read or that had been passed on to him by oral history. And we know this because some of the events described in the book of Genesis happened before he lived hundreds of years before he lived. So then we'd have to ask, of course it must be that way. Otherwise, where would he have got his information from? Did God just reveal it all supernaturally to him? And was he like a robot or a computer who just churned it out word by word? No, there's no indication in the Bible or in Genesis that's how it works. God used the intellect, the mind, the personality, the experience and the resources around them of those people to inspire his word of God. And what's very likely in the case of Moses putting together this early and even prehistoric narrative of the history of Israel is that God inspired him to write down or to place into his inspired spiritual narrative information that had already been written down in accounts or scrolls that were direct records of oral traditions already embedded in the nation of Israel in the history of the nation of Israel. So 11 times, friends, 11 times in the book of Genesis, Moses tells us that this is the history of, and then he makes a name. And he's saying, look, this is the history of what happened to these forefathers. And he probably got that information from other sources, but God, by his spirit, 
inspired him, told him to compile it and write it down so it would be recorded for us in the following way it is in Genesis. Now most biblical scholars when approaching these 11 generational phrases break them into two parts. First of all Genesis chapter 1 to 11 is the prehistory or the primeval history as it's called and then uh, Genesis 11 to the end of the book is the patriarchal history. So thinking about that primeval history first you have the opening of Genesis and then in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 to the end of chapter 4 it tells us these are the generations of the heavens and the earth. Then in chapter 5 to chapter 6 verse 8 it tells us these are the generations of Adam and that story unfolds and wouldn't it be interesting to think yeah Moses wrote it down but Adam was the person who originally recorded it and then in chapter 6 verse 9 we have the generations of Noah again probably initially written down or orally retold by Noah but then inspired by the Holy Spirit of God for Moses to write down and then from chapter 10 to halfway through chapter 11 it tells us these are the generation of the sons of Noah and then chapter 11 verse 10 all the way through to 25 so just 15 verses it gives us an insight into the generations the family history of Shem and that's the primeval history section but then in chapter 11 27 through right to the end of Genesis we have what many describe as the patriarchal history and it tells us from chapter 11:27 all the way through to halfway through chapter 25 these are the generations the history of Terah which of course is Abraham's father and the majority of Abraham's story is told within these 14 chapters and then in chapter 25 there's just six short verses where we're told about the family history of Ishmael and then in chapter 25 verse 19 just one verse telling us about the generations of Isaac then in chapter 25 verse 19 through to 36 we have the story of the history of Isaac and then importantly the point at which we're at today Genesis 36 we have just eight verses which say these are the generations of Esau but then in 36 verse 9 it tells us again these are the generations of Esau and that little section runs through just to the end of this chapter. And then after today, when we the next chapter launches off, which covers the, from chapter 37 right through to the end of the book of Genesis, this is the generations of Jacob, which of course includes his sons and has this very long narrative of the famous story of Joseph. So just to remind you, the point we're at today is 36 verse 1, where it says this is the generation of Esau. But something very interesting is happening here. We're in Genesis chapter 36 and something that only happens once in the Bible, it repeats the same thing in verse 9. This time saying this is the account of the family line of Esau, the father of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. This is the only time in the book of Genesis that this generational demarcation is repeated twice of the same one person. Now when we get to the end of this chapter, as I said, we'll begin chapter 37 and it's going to tell us about a whole new generation and it'll talk about the story of Joseph and that whole situation and the relationship with Jacob's other sons. But it's interesting to me 
that has stood the test of time, that when most people try and outline the, the book of Genesis, the most common way to divide it is to approach it and to use the method of these verses. And in fact, most people, when uh, if you look at your Bible, most people over history have used these demarcations as a way of approaching it with chapter breaks and section breaks. So Genesis 1 through 11 is talking about what happened before the patriarchs, the fathers of the nations, were on the scene. And from chapter 11 after that is talking about what happened to the patriarchs and beyond. So the way some divide the book of Genesis is the account of before the patriarchs and after the patriarchs. But overall, this is the commonly agreed outline of this book which is, I think is interesting because in a sense that some of this material is up to 4,000 years old and it has generally stood the test of time and to, is still viewed as very accurate historical material. I know we're camping on just one verse at the minute, but one more important thing I think before moving on is to just think about the subject of the book of Genesis. Now I heard most of my life that the subject of the book of Genesis is beginnings. And there's no question at all, of course, it is about beginnings. The beginnings of the universe is there, the beginnings of the heavens and the earth is there, even the beginnings of mankind is there for all to see. But if you think about it as a subject, where does the flood fit into the concept of beginnings? And how about all the material on Abraham, Isaac and Jacob fit in? And what about the 13 chapters on the life of Joseph? So there's more than just the origins of things being described here because the book goes on to describe other things in great detail. So for me, beginnings doesn't quite cover it when it comes to the subject. It is true that it testifies to the beginnings of the universe, the earth, sea and sky. It's true it tells of the beginning of mankind and it even shows us the beginnings of the nation of Israel. But if that was the actual subject of the whole book, well, Moses could have written a shorter book. It would have only needed to be half the length. So again, I ask, what is the actual subject? Now, I do accept that the most popular description of this book, if we ever want to put it in the phrase, is beginning, but I don't think that's the subject. I think the subject of this book is really the election of God, the selection of God, if you like, the sovereign choice of God. What this book is telling us that God chooses certain people at certain times to do certain things. He initially, of course, chose to create the heavens and the earth. He elected also to create Adam and Eve. But when the sins got so bad, he first of all chose Noah to preach against the sin. Then he elected, he selected out Noah and his family so that they could escape the judgment. The book then focuses on how God chose Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob. But remember, it emphasized that Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and it goes at great pains to point out that he chose Isaac over Ishmael. And then also it shows how he then chose Jacob over Esau, sometimes in these choices going against the normal perspective of the day. So what did he choose them for? And why did he choose them? Why did God select these people? For what purpose? Because if we know that, we have a clearer idea of what is the purpose and the subject of the book of Genesis. Well, I would like to suggest to you that the answer to that is he chose these people 
to do two things. Number one was to give them the land of Israel. God said, I'm going to give this land to Abraham, to Isaac, and then to Jacob. But also the other thing that God said was, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Out of you is going to come lots and lots of people, and through you also eventually will come the Messiah. So God chose Abraham, God chose Isaac, God chose Jacob to give them the land, yes, to make them a great nation, but also to bring through that family line the Messiah for the whole world, so that all of the human race, all humanity, might have the opportunity to be saved and redeemed through him. Now, if you understand that, you will understand most of what is going on in this book we call Genesis. Now, I just said God chose Abraham, and Abraham had two sons. Do you remember their names? Ishmael and Isaac. Genesis records very detailed what happened to Isaac, but not so much Ishmael. He disappears into the background a bit. And I remember also Isaac himself had two sons. Remember their names? Jacob and Esau. And we've just spent weeks and weeks and weeks, months probably, talking about Jacob. But then, what about Esau? Whatever happened to Esau? And that brings us to chapter 36. That's what's going on here. The Bible is stopping and saying, oh, by the way, this is what happened to Esau. So if you look at chapter 6, you'll discover that now comes a long list of names, one name right after the other. So what's going on? Why are these names? And why does this phrase appear twice? Why does the phrase, this is the generation of Esau, appear twice? What's the difference? What's it mean? We're going to get a list uh, initially of, from verses 1 to 8, which will trace the personal lineage of Esau. So next time, we're going to look at that list of names in this book and ask what it means and look and see what it means. But then we're also going to see that there's a second list of names. So what's that all about? Well, the answers to those questions reveal some really interesting answers. And we'll begin to unpack those together next time. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Told you it would be interesting when we actually got into this, what at first just seems, oh, another one of these lists of names. But thank you so much for joining me. I'd like to just remind you, like I said at the start, that if you want to connect with this work and support this ministry, you can do that through my Patreon account. On there, you'll not only get access to other uh, exclusive material I put on there, but also you're doing it safe in the knowledge that you're supporting this work and this ministry and allowing this material to not only be on the internet, but to be freely available at no cost on the internet. On there, I also put some longer form versions of my teaching and some talk, talking I've done where I've tried to bring the Bible into a secular context and spoke to non-Christian groups. And also sometimes just when I've spoken in churches or at Christian events and they've been recorded. There's also plans very soon in September to put some discipleship courses on there that can help you develop your Christian faith and maybe even those things that you're gifted to do. They're all available on the Patreon website and they're all, uh, if you share the values of, of this ministry and want to help support it, you can do that there. An important other way of 
supporting this ministry is, well, initially, prayerful support is vital. I really do covet your prayers. It's quite a challenge now that we've committed to this longer form that I am spending four or five hours a day on this material. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to do that. But I need your prayer. I need your prayerful support that I will have the resources mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the time, the health to continue to be able to keep doing this and fulfill this amazing longer term plan to work through the whole Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So supporting me in prayer is absolutely vital, but also if you're valuing it, then why not consider sharing it on your social media accounts or uh, liking it? Because that really enables more people to find it and see it. And it will also hopefully enable and encourage people to make not just reading a verse every day out of the Bible, not just reading several verses every day out of the Bible, but systematically studying the Bible, committing to having the study of the Bible become part of the rhythm of their daily lives. I know you and I are benefiting from it already, but let's try and allow the life-changing changing effect of the Word of God to reach as many people as possible. I'll leave it there this time. Thanks again so much for joining me. It's such an encouragement to know that there are thousands of you out there listening to this. I thank you so much for it and hopefully you're getting as much out of it as I am and I'll hopefully again see you right back here. It'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it happens to be for you. You're very welcome and I'll see you here again on the Bible Project Daily Podcast.